Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. Thanks for joining us today on The Chosen People. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Robert Walter. I call him Bobby. You can call him Bobby, too. He's the regional director of our New York area and helps lead our Messianic congregation, Beth Sar Shalom, the House of the Prince of Peace, that meets in Brooklyn, New York. And there are probably over three-quarters of a million Jewish people in Brooklyn, New York, many Russian Jewish immigrants, many secular Jewish people, and a host of more religious Jewish people. And I'm so grateful for the ministry that Bobby and our team have among the Jewish people in Brooklyn, New York. So welcome for this special holiday radio program, Bobby. Yeah, thank you, Mitch, and uh, shalom and welcome, everyone. In light of the gratitude that you have, Mitch, for our work here in Brooklyn, I think it's fitting because today on The Chosen People, we're actually going to be talking about this special holiday that comes once a year that is filled with food and family and fellowship, and that is Thanksgiving. Yeah, I love Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, Bobby. I think it just really nails it. And I'm sure that the Apostle Paul never celebrated our holiday of Thanksgiving but I know that he was very thankful for all that the Lord had done for him. He writes, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. It's almost the seasoning salt that makes all of these other things work together. Present your requests to God. So with thanksgiving, we pray. With thanksgiving, we petition God. And then he adds that there's a blessing that follows. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The issue of thankfulness comes up at least 70 times in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And most of these instances are related to the Greek word for being thankful. And the Greek word eucharisto and other versions of it come from our translations for the Hebrew word to be thankful, todah, the root is yada. Mm -hmm. And so the Bible is just filled with thanksgiving. We know about that popular hymn, of course, Great is Thy Faithfulness, written by Thomas Chisholm, one of the great Puritan fathers. The chorus concludes, with all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And it sort of contrasts, in a sense, to another great hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, written by Horatio Spafford. It's one of my favorite hymns, Bobby. Mm -hmm. I was a new believer in Bible college. I remember the first time we, we sang this. I was just moved. And it's not it's not in a minor key, but it's kind of Jewishy. It's a little modal. And so I was very moved by the song. But then I began learning about the story of Horatio Spafford. And we know that he was actually a business person, and uh, he lost his four daughters in a shipwreck. They were on their way to uh, England. His wife actually survived, but all four of his daughters died. I have two girls, and so I'm very sympathetic and uh, to what happened to him. So I love this hymn because it's filled with reality. It's filled with pathos. It's, it's, you know, grief is something real. And during this pandemic season and, you know, with uh, so many other issues, uh, world issues with floods that people are experiencing and wars where some of our beloved soldiers are, are engaged, 
It's, it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time for Israel, too, going through COVID. One can only experience so much grief. And what I'm suggesting is that the antidote to trouble and grief and suffering that gives you hope is Thanksgiving. So, Mitch, Thomas Chisholm, he reminds us of God's seasonal faithfulness in this stanza. It says this, Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. I'll tell you, Bobby, we sang that hymn as a global staff in Jerusalem a number of years ago when we celebrated the 70th anniversary of the nation of Israel. (laughs) And if anything, we see God's faithfulness in the preservation of Israel. I mean, just imagine, he promised a nation to Abram before there was a nation, thousands upon thousands of years ago. Then the Jewish people formed, they dwelled in the land, they were tossed out of the land by the Babylonians. And then eventually, in 1948, Israel was declared a nation The Hebrew language was restored. And what else can you say to that except, great is thy faithfulness? I love Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 35 and following. This is Mitch Glazer's summary. If you can destroy the sun, moon, and stars, knock out the orbits of the heavens, then you can destroy my people, Israel. God's plan for Israel and the Jewish people is absolutely sustainable because it is based upon his power and his integrity and God has perfect integrity. Can you imagine somebody out there has perfect integrity? (laughs) And of course, it's God himself. And so his faithfulness really grows out of who he is, out of his person. And so Thanksgiving is one of my favorite times of year because Thanksgiving is our response to God's person. It's our response to his love and his kindness and his mercy and his grace and even his his justice. Imagine living in a world where there's not going to be ultimate justice. That would make me very unhappy and a lot of people unhappy. But we know that ultimately, even though this life may not be fair, and dear friend, as you're listening, you might be saying, yeah, you're, you're right. You know it. Things are not always fair. But one day, fairness will fill the earth because the just and righteous King of kings and Lord of lords will reign on his rightful throne. So we can sing it as well with my soul, but we also can be reminded of the importance of maintaining a thankful posture to God. You know, Mitch, that reminds me of the traditional prayer that is always recited every time we enter into a new season, a new holiday in the Jewish world, the uh, the Shehechianu. Absolutely, Bobby. And that's a prayer that gives us the opportunity to be thankful. You see, He is faithful, we are thankful. Thankfulness is the response to faithfulness, Mm -hmm. right? And Jewish people pray this great prayer. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam shehechianu v'kiyamanu v'higianu lazman hazeh. In English, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has kept us alive and sustained us and allowed us to reach this time. And this is a great prayer. Uh, I'm not going to uh, ask all of our listeners to learn Hebrew, although it couldn't hurt a little bit. It'll help you on your next trip to Israel with Chosen People Ministries. But it is a wonderful sentiment that we thank God for the passages of life. As we go through life, we are thankful to God for sustaining us. That includes the death of a loved one. That includes a period of financial hardship or suffering. 
and that includes a season of pandemic. Even when we experience a season that can be viewed as negative, we can always say, thank you, Lord, for keeping us alive, sustaining us, and allowing us to reach to the end of the season. I always tell people when they pray the Shehechianu prayer, that no matter what they've went through, the fact that they can pray that prayer is a good sign. <laughs> and we can pray that prayer, certainly this Thanksgiving, or whatever prayer is going to fill your soul with gratitude. Please pray that prayer and thank God for seeing us through to another season. That means so much, especially during the difficulties of this past year. Here at Chosen People Ministries, we hear from a lot of Jewish people who have found the Messiah. And right now, we'd like to share one of those stories with you. I was born to a uh, Sephardic Jewish family. Uh, my family are Babylonian Jews on my mom's side and uh, Sephardic Jews uh, from Spain on my dad's side. My mom would try to drag my brothers and me to synagogue. Maybe it had something to do with our people thousands of years ago, but God was very, very far away. In school, we would study the Old Testament from first grade to 12th grade. We study it as history of our people, as wisdom literature, um, something that one just needs to know being Jewish, but not as the Word of God. After my military service, like a lot of Israelis, I decided to travel the world. Initially in Southeast Asia, a lot of Israelis are going there for the mysticism trail and the uh, drug trail. I wanted to understand what they believe, and so I was exposed to some Hindu and some Buddhist literature. I got to to realize that there is a spiritual reality. But that spiritual reality I saw was very, very scary. It was negative, it was dark, but it was very real. I ended up in Amsterdam, Holland. And I came there with merchandise to sell because I ran out of money. It was there that I've met a group of very enthusiastic young believers in Jesus. And I said, uh, well, I'm Jewish and we don't believe in Jesus. And they said, why? Jesus is Jewish. And I said, I'm not sure why, but I'm sure we don't believe in Jesus. As I got to know them, I noticed two things that really drew my attention and made me curious. One was what they called personal relationship with God. I couldn't understand it. I mean, I could see it. I could see how it works out in their lives. They would pray for one another. They would talk to God like one talks to a friend. Um, it's very foreign to a Jewish mindset. So this friend said, well, would you like to pray? I said, I don't know how to pray. You know, in my bar mitzvah, they gave me a page, I read it. Uh, give me a page, I'll, I'll read it. And the second thing that was even more shocking than that was that some of them were familiar with passages in the Hebrew scriptures that I wasn't very well familiar with. In school, we would study certain chapters and we would skip over a lot of the a lot of other passages. But they referred me to passages that they called prophetic or messianic that talk about the Messiah. And I was amazed. I said, well, how come you guys know the, the Hebrew scripture? I mean, this is ours. And they said, no, it's, it's the whole Bible is one book. And I said, well, I, I have a Bible at home and I've never seen the New Testament. I decided to check it out. So I read the Hebrew scriptures, and I saw that it was the same one as we had. I had one in Hebrew, 
And those passages were right in there, telling when the Messiah will be born, what will he do, how are we going to recognize him. Reading this, I became very curious and I said to myself, I have to read the New Testament. So I actually got one in Hebrew and every morning I would kind of look at it and then look away, go about doing my things. Finally, I, I said to myself, well, Eris, you're a hypocrite because you would read Hindu writings and Buddhist writings and whatever. But when it comes to Jesus, you know, you avoid. And I started reading. I was very surprised. First of all, it took place in Israel, in places I've been to many, many times. Growing up in Israel, I've never ever heard anything about Jesus of Nazareth. I've never met a Christian person. I've never seen a New Testament. I had absolutely no idea what it meant. It is particularly ridiculous because I had first degree family living uh, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And throughout my childhood, we would visit them several times a year, swim, fish. But I had no idea that Jesus or his disciples, you know, ever existed. We refer to this phenomenon as Jesus being the best kept secret among the Jewish people. I, as I read about all the religious institutions, they're still very much with us among the Jewish people to this day. But Yeshua was different. I felt very drawn to him. He, he did not try to do things to win men's favor. And so I started a process of comparing the prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures about the Messiah and how we're going to recognize him and the fulfillment in Yeshua in the New Testament. And to my amazement, it matched. I became convinced, first in my head, then in my heart, that Yeshua is indeed the promised Messiah of our people. Shortly after that, I started noticing changes in myself. I had a great hunger to read the Word of God, the Hebrew Scriptures, and the New Testament. So thinking that I'm the first Jewish person since the time of Paul the Apostle, whom I read about in the New Testament, I felt that God is calling me to go back to Israel and tell my family, tell my friends, tell my neighbors, my people, and everybody else that I meet about this great discovery that Yeshua is not just the Messiah of the Gentiles, he's also our Messiah. After becoming a follower of Yeshua, I became overwhelmed with a sense of joy on the one hand, but also urgency because I said, how come nobody, nobody told me before? I mean, my family, my neighbors, my friends, my people, nobody knows, nobody tells us. And I felt very strongly that I need to go and tell my people. I decided to surprise my family. My dad was there and I told them that I believe in Yeshua, the Messiah. The consensus was that in some way or fashion, I've lost my mind. My dad's family, they have uh, arranged for me a meeting with a chief psychiatrist in our city. And he actually formally declared me to be sane. I should have asked for that in writing. My mom's family arranged for me a meeting with a rabbi. And the rabbi promised my mom that he would prove to me that Yeshua is not the Messiah. The day before our meeting, the rabbi called my mom and he canceled the meeting. To my great joy, I discovered there were other believers. I discovered there was a congregation of Jewish believers and I started going there. And so I told them, I want to study the Word of God. Is there any 
Bible school or Bible college or something like that, I can go and invest some time and just study the Bible. And they said, well, no, there's nothing. And I completed my doctoral studies in the United States. After that, with my wife and young children, we came back to Israel. I knew that God has called me to serve Him, but I didn't know exactly where. I remember very vividly how it felt coming to know Yeshua and having a deep desire to study the scriptures and not knowing how to do it. And I felt very strongly that I need to go and provide this opportunity for Israeli believers, both Jewish and Arab, to study the Word of God in Hebrew right where it happened. And to that, I dedicate my life. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Mitch, I, I can't help but think about Yeshua, Jesus, in those final moments of freedom and fellowship that he was enjoying with his disciples uh, at the Last Supper, when he revealed himself through the bread, through the cup. And there's one little verse. It's actually in Mark and Matthew. At the very end, right before they get up from the table and they leave the upper room to go to the Mount of Olives, where Yeshua would be arrested where he would be put on trial and, and take one step closer to dying on the cross. And this short little verse, Matthew 26, 30, it says, they sang a hymn and then they went out to the Mount of Olives. Yeah, it's a, that's a striking verse, yeah. Bobby. I, that always gets me. Yeah, yeah. And now we don't know exactly what they were singing. Obviously, they didn't have hymnals, but it would have most likely been the Psalms. And we know that uh, there are psalms associated with the celebration of Passover today. They're called the Hillel Psalms, the praise psalms. And it's Psalms 113 through 118. And at the very end of Psalm 118, the very last line, in Hebrew it's, Hodu ladonai kitov, ki leolam chazdo. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And you know, you, you kind of imagine trying to picture Yeshua there with his disciples, knowing full well what's in store for him. The grief, the, the pain, the trial, the tribulation. But the last words uh, on his mouth, possibly, was giving thanks to the Lord. Absolutely. It's, I, I mean, I'm always struck by that. And we know what the Lord has done in our lives, but we also have hope for what else he's going to do in our lives. And of course, that hope will be completed in the age to come. Now, there's an interesting connection, Bobby, mm -hmm. between Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, the festivals uh, that the Jewish people will be celebrating beginning on Sunday, November 28th. Mm -hmm. And so Thanksgiving, of course, is in a few days. Then we have Hanukkah, November 28th. Now, Jewish people do not eat turkey on uh, Hanukkah. Hanukkah right. is the celebration, the celebration of God's deliverance of the Jewish people from Greek domination. Right. And the Greeks tried to get rid of the Jews by Hellenizing them. So if they could do away with the God of the Hebrews and give them the gods of the Greeks, do away with the Hebrew language and give them the language of the Greeks and change the culture, then you're actually destroying the people from the inside out, which right. is one of the messages of Hanukkah that we have to have an inner core and conviction of faith so that we can stay faithful to God. And there are a lot of martyrdom stories mm -hmm. on Hanukkah. So it's very inspirational. But going back to these early Christian Puritans and settlers in the United States, it is said, 
and I think that there's some truth to it, that they actually thought theologically that they were the true Jews. Yeah. Okay. And so corn and maize instead of bagels and locks, Bobby, you know? And so- <laughs> I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. And they actually believed that the Native Americans were the ends of the earth. They were the nations. And so when they got to the promised land, which was Plymouth Rock and, and, and America, they observed in what their understanding was the Feast of Tabernacles. Mm. And the Feast of Tabernacles was a great feast and it's usually in the fall, so it predates Hanukkah by a couple of months. Right. They thought they were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles as a way to give thanksgiving to God because Tabernacles reminds us of dwelling in the wilderness and of God's provision in the wilderness for the Jewish people. And so there's, there's, a, there's quite a tie-in between Thanksgiving and this great Jewish festival. And of course, all of it predates Hanukkah, which by the way, Bobby, and I think you know this, that the Maccabees celebrating the deliverance that God brought about against the Antiochus Epiphanes and the Greeks, they actually thought they were celebrating tabernacles too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It was in Hanukkah when it was initially um, instituted, it was a belated feast of tabernacles. So this is a, a great festival, you know, and, and to our, to our listeners, we don't want to sound hung up on the Feast of Tabernacles, but you do know that in Zechariah chapter 14, all the nations that populate the kingdom will join the Jewish people in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. <laughs> and that'll be a great thing because the tabernacle of God will encompass the entire earth and Yeshua, Jesus the King, will reign on his throne in Jerusalem. So happy Thanksgiving, happy Hanukkah, and remember that we have a hope that the world can't take away. It's rooted and grounded in the thanksgiving each of us sends for what God did for us through Jesus the Messiah. The holidays are upon us and soon we are gonna start hearing holiday music everywhere we go. And so this year, as we get ready to celebrate Advent and Christmas, we'd like to invite you to experience this season through Jewish eyes. Advent through Jewish eyes will be on Thursday, December 9th, 2021 at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we hope you will join us at this free virtual event. Together, we will gain a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and why he came. To learn more, just visit chosenpeople.com slash radio. Well, thanks for listening today. The Chosen People is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And if you missed any portion of today's message on God's faithfulness, or if you'd like to share this program with a friend, you can do that and so much more on our website. Just visit chosenpeople.com slash radio. And while you're there, be sure to request our calendar. It's yours just for letting us know that you're listening. This 2022 Messianic wall calendar features beautiful pictures of places in Israel where Jesus walked and ministered, along with giving a little description of what he did in those places. This calendar makes not only a great Thanksgiving gift as you go to somebody's home, but also it's a great Christmas gift also. You can ask for your calendar by calling number two Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A, or 888-293-7482. 888-293-7482, or you can order it online at chosenpeople.com slash radio.
You can also ask for the calendar to be sent to your home when you write to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, in New York, New York, 10022. And now to close with the ironic benediction, here is Mitch and Michael Rydelnik. Yivarechacha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai panavalecha V'yaseim lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.